play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Cairo, Seattle. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, prolific cookbook author Dory Greenspan. Dory's written 13 cookbooks, including an award-winning baking book for Julia Child. She has five James Beard Awards. She's been on the New York Times bestseller list twice, and she writes the On Dessert column for the New York Times Magazine. Her latest book, Everyday Dory, The Way I Cook, came out in October. And it's one of Dory's few cookbooks that isn't entirely focused on desserts. But Dory loves sweets. If this was a small-town local TV news broadcast, instead of a very sophisticated, cliche-free podcast, I might tell you that Dory is as sweet as the desserts she bakes. Because it's actually true. And for her last meal, she plans to bookend her dinner with desserts. Dessert first. Yep. What was that you used to say? Life is short. Eat dessert first. I yeah. think that's what that little button on my wall says. But for a last meal, life really is short. Eat yeah, dessert first. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the benefits of eating dessert first with Food Network and today's show food and lifestyle expert Brandy Malloy. And I'm bringing back one of my favorite guests from a past episode. Ayurvedic counselor Jody Boone. Ayurveda says if you're somebody who loves sweets, then you're going to eat dessert anyway. So eat it first so that you don't end up overeating. And do you eat the same lunch every day? Do you always have a hard-boiled egg for breakfast? We're going to talk about being a creature of habit with the most intensely habitual creature that I have ever encountered. Donald Gorski from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, is in the Guinness Book of World Records for eating more Big Macs than anyone else on the planet. How many are you up to at this point, eating at least two a day since 1972? I had one at noon today, and the one I had at noon was number 30,493. Intrigued? Good. There's a lot more coming up from Donald in Act 3 of the show. But first, right now, my interview with Dory Greenspan. I want to know about your history because I learned a new word today. Um, I saw that you were going to school for gerontology. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you did. You did a good job. Okay. And then you quit that job and got into cookie baking. But first of all, what is gerontology? What were you studying and how did you transition to cookies? So um, gerontology is the study of aging. So I, I got married when I was 19 years old. I was a junior in college. I'd never cooked before. And all I wanted to do was learn to cook. And so I cooked and I baked and I cooked and I baked and I got a job and I went to graduate school and got this degree in gerontology. And when it uh, actually, I'm all but dissertation. I couldn't face finishing. I didn't want to do this. I couldn't face going back to work. And my husband said, why don't you get a job baking? You love baking. I had no skill, no training, no talent, but, um, but I did get a job baking. I got fired a month later, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, so the transition really was from following a very set traditional course to saying, hey, this isn't what I want to do, yeah. and starting to bake. The reason that you didn't cook until you got married stemmed from something kind of traumatic that happened in your childhood. 
Well, it was true. <laughs> it's yes, my poor mother. I burned the kitchen down. Like completely burned to no, the ground? No, no, kind of the cabinets above the oven, okay. trash, the seal. Yeah, and it had just been renovated. I tried to make frozen. I had never cooked anything. I wanted to make frozen French fries for my friends, and so it said fried, and I thought you need oil, and I put a big pot of boy, of oil up to boil. It's a tongue twister. Put a lid on it, and when I took the lid off, out came these they were amazing flames. They were blue. They were yellow. They were orange. And we called the fire department. So you got the marshmallows out and you made s'mores instead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I hadn't cooked before. I wasn't allowed to cook after. How old were you when that happened? I was seventh grade. So what was I? 12, 12 13? Yeah. yeah. You won a James Beard Award for your last book, which was all about cookies. Yes. I know out of a huge book and a lifetime of baking, you can't pick one cookie. But what is your go-to cookie? What is your favorite or your most requested? So normally I would say I can't pick a favorite, but there is a cookie that's really special to me, and it's the World Peace Cookie. Oh, yeah, the World Peace Cookie. So it's the cookie that's on the cover of Dory's Cookies, but it's also a cookie that I've been making you know, it's now almost about 20 years. So I, the recipe came to me originally from Pierre Hermé, and it was called the Corova cookie. And he had created it. He's a Parisian pastry chef. He created it for a restaurant in Paris. And I published it in my book, Paris Sweets. And I thought, finished, that's it. And then a, I was coming down the elevator in a New York apartment, and a neighbor said, you know those cookies? I love them. I don't know what you call them. We call them world peace cookies. And I thought with a name like that, they're going into my next book. If you Google World Peace Cookies, there are now over a million. I mean, it's just like become a worldwide thing. It's a chocolate cookie, a cross between a shortbread and the texture of a chocolate chip cookie. It has chocolate chunks and it has salt in it. And mm. it's very simple. It's a slice and bake cookie. It's magical. And the name, the name is so great. Yeah, why did they call it the World Peace Cookie? Because they said if everyone in the world had this cookie, there would be peace. Do you have to make this cookie? Do people expect it and they want this cookie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about your last meal. What would you choose to eat for your last meal? Something that took a really long time to eat. That's what all the smart people say when they come on. <laughs> My last meal, I hate to think about it, actually. So I used to think that my last meal would just be ice cream, a lot of ice cream. Like a bathtub full? Yeah, like that would do it. Okay. Um, but now I'm a grown-up and more sensible. And so I would start with ice cream. And, you know, I love lobster and I love, it's my last meal. I can do anything I want, right? Right. So I can really like eat it with my fingers and chew on the knuckle bones and, um, and that takes a long time. It so, does. Right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> so I would have, I think I would have ice cream, lobster, 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 <laughs> and then for dessert, I would put hot fudge sauce and toasted nuts on the ice cream. Okay, so an, it's like an ice, ice cream, cream sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> exactly. I love I love that idea because I find that by the end of the meal a lot of the time my palate is fatigued or I'm not really hungry anymore and you eat dessert and it's still good, but if you eat it at the beginning it's real good cuz you're still hungry and it's like a fresh flavor. So I like dessert first. Dessert first. What kind of ice cream would you like on either end of your ice cream sandwich? 
Oh, there are so many flavors I like. So um, I like anything that has chunks of chocolate in it. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for mint chocolate chip. I'd have the mint chocolate chip first. Get me ready for the lobster and then have chocolate coffee and hot fudge sauce. Toasted nuts for crunch. Maybe a cookie. With no whipped it. cream? I don't care. Oh, okay. No, I like, I, like, I like whipped cream enough, but hot fudge and ice cream... That's where it's at. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Dory told me a story that illustrates just how much she loves ice cream. My husband and I have the kid. I've stopped calling him that because he just got married. Um, But (laughs) he would always say that he wanted ice cream for dessert. And it would always be just at bedtime. And I'd say to him, you go to sleep. And I'll tell you what, you can have ice cream for breakfast. And he'd wake up in the morning. This is this proves that I was a terrible mother. I was going to say mom of the year. No, no, because I ate the ice cream between the time he went to bed and <laughs> breakfast. I will have finished. I'm out of control with ice cream. It's the only thing. If you put it in front of me, no matter how much it is, yeah. I will eat it. And so I took food out of the baby's mouth. That is terrible. Yeah, he still I'm teases me about it. <laughs> did you have the intention of giving it to him in the morning? I or did. were you trying to eat it all so that he couldn't have any? No, 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 no. I really meant to save some for him. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. Okay, so dessert first. Do you ever do it? I'm not talking about mindlessly snacking on sweets before dinner. I'm talking about purposely planning your meal with a dessert first. I only have one memory of doing this. I was out to dinner with a friend. All day, I had been craving chocolate. And we're looking at the menu, and I'm like, I just I just want to eat dessert. And it, it's like you're trained so hard by your parents that you're not supposed to do that, that I asked my friend for permission. She said yes. I asked for a dessert menu. I got my dessert first. I can't remember what I had. And it was so satisfying. And then afterwards, I had like a tiny salad or something because I was already full from dessert, but it was totally worth it. So when we come back, we're going to learn the benefits of eating dessert first from a scientific point of view, from an Ayurvedic point of view, and from a just bring more joy to your life point of view. We'll be right back. Just a ferry ride away from Seattle is the Kitsap Peninsula, a land of gorgeous forests, sparkling water for kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, and adorable seaside towns with locally-owned boutiques and family-owned restaurants. I have done so many day trips to the Kitsap Peninsula, wine tasting on Bainbridge Island, a girl's trip to Paul's Bow, ice cream and architecture in Port Gamble, watching the seals play from the beach in Port Orchard, and I still haven't seen it all. If you're like me and like off-the-beaten-path places where the locals vacation, you are going to love the Kitsap Peninsula. And this month, we're talking about Bremerton and Silverdale. So Bremerton is known as a naval town, and there are museums if you're into the big ships. But the restaurant scene has been really growing over the past several years. Grab a bowl of clam chowder or homemade lumpia at Bremerton's veteran-owned Axe and Arrow. And visit Alandon Gardens to see meticulously trimmed bonsai and a tree that has been around since 300 BC. Plan your visit. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal. You can also find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite. 
just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. If your childhood was like my childhood, you had to finish your dinner before you could have dessert. Was your childhood like this, Aaron Mason? Oh, yeah, very much so. Had to clean the whole plate. Yeah, and either you were the kid who sat there for hours crying because you didn't finish and you never got dessert, or you, like, horked the whole thing down and almost choked to death just to try to get to your milk and cookies. Well, it turns out maybe our parents were wrong. Maybe this is why we're all in therapy and on antidepressants. Eating something sweet before a meal might actually be good for us. Jody Boone is an Ayurvedic counselor and therapist in Seattle. She's also my yoga teacher. And you may remember her and her very soothing voice from the Nikki Bloom episode that we did last February. That's when she explained Ayurveda, an ancient Indian way of living that translates to the science of life. Ayurveda is about creating balance in all aspects of your life, and it focuses primarily on how we eat, how we sleep, and spend our energy. So depending on your body type, your temperament, your gut health, if you run hot or cold, it prescribes you certain foods. The idea is that food is like medicine. So for example, if you have a fiery personality and you get angry easily, Ayurveda recommends eating cooling foods and spices. I actually had a consultation with Jody, and I was telling her that I am always cold here in the office. And she asked if I drank cold water. And I said, yeah, I always drink cold water from the little cooler. And she suggested I start drinking room temp water or warm water. And I have literally never been cold in the office again. I am bowing down to Ayurveda now. So there is a lot to Ayurveda. I recommend going back to that Nikki Bloom episode from last February if you really want to learn more. But today we're talking about Ayurveda with Jody because in my research, I learned that the practice recommends eating dessert first. So there are many schools of thought with eating dessert first. And so on a really practical level, in Ayurveda, there are six tastes. There's sweet, sour, salty, bitter, astringent, and pungent. And sweet is the very first taste We feel it on the tips of our tongues. And so we know digestion starts the moment we take our first bite. And so sweet can really help prepare the body for the digestive process. And sometimes we hear, oh, in Ayurveda, you can eat dessert first. And that can be true. Um, But sweet also is grains, milk, uh, sweet vegetables like carrots and sweet potatoes, cucumber, um, so people often think of sugar and sweets and dessert as the sweet taste, but it encompasses a whole range of foods, including fruit. She explains that in India, you often get a dessert like rice pudding or a milk and nut-based sweet with your meal. So you can eat it first. Sweet can cause hunger, which is another reason why you might eat dessert first, because it starts the digestive process. And so then you have your sweet And then you can move on to the savory foods. The other reason to eat sweet first is Ayurveda says if you're inclined to eating sweet, if you're somebody who loves sweets, then you're going to eat dessert anyway. So eat it first so that you don't end up overeating. So if you eat the sweet first and then you enjoy the rest of your meal, presumably you'll stop once you're full. But if we just eat the meal and have dessert last... We might tend to overeat, plus the sweet taste is heavy, and too much sweet can really slow the digestive process down. So let's say we've had a whole meal, and then we pile on top of it. 
a dessert. This can also cause uh, indigestion and gas, bloating, fermentation. Jody says when she's really hungry, a dessert just doesn't sound good to her. So she'll start her meal with a less sugary sweet, like roasted beets or carrots. But my next guest is all about having a little chocolate or even a whole cupcake before a meal. Brandy Malloy co-hosts the new Food Network show, Let's Eat. She's a food and lifestyle contributor on the Today Show. And she's a judge on many Food Network shows, like the very hard to say, Guys Grocery Games and Chop Junior. I did it. And Brandy is pretty much a lifelong proponent of eating dessert first. My dad served in the army 40 years. And one of the places that we were stationed was Germany. And in Europe, it's very common to start a meal with a little bit of coffee and a pastry or some chocolate. Um, And that's kind of like, you know, your aperitif before you have your actual meal. When you eat dessert after, then it just becomes this cycle of cravings because you have dessert and then you want something salty and then you want something sweet again. Is that something that you've experienced? Oh my God. I totally said this two nights ago at a dinner because yes, I think that is absolutely right. A lot of times you have dessert at the end and then it's almost like a restart and you're like, Ooh, I want something salty. But then you, after you have something salty, you want something sour. And then you're kind of going through all the different flavors and then you're having a second dinner. I totally think it's, it's the bad way to go about things. And listen, I'm not talking about eating a sleeve of Oreos or going to town on a Sunday, but just a little something that you actually enjoy. And, and what I love is I did an article about this several years ago when I talked to some doctors and clinical nutritionists and I was really happy to discover that one of them said that when you do eat dessert with a higher fat content or protein content like ice cream or an avocado-based chocolate pudding, it actually helps lower the glycemic load of the meal. It's not just all sugar. So it's not like your blood sugar is going to spike and you're going to have a sugar crash. It's something that's going to help make you feel more satisfied, and therefore, you're probably not going to eat as much for dinner. So it's it's all going to even out. But aside from the health benefits and the digestive benefits, Jody says desserts are connected with the heart. But I'm not talking about the one that's beating in your chest. I'm talking about the one that inspires you to hang pictures of Jordan Catalano, aka Jared Leto, all over your room that you rip from the pages of teen magazines. I love you, Jordan. The other thing, too, that Ayurveda says is sweet equals love. So we have to really watch when we are craving sweet, we are craving love. And so if we're excessively craving sweet, it might tell us something about yeah, what our heart needs or what we need physically. And so the sweet taste can also evoke joy and compassion and love. And, you know, maybe this is why we share, you know, sweets with each other and bake desserts and things for each other to show our love and our affection and adoration. That's true. I never thought about that. You never give someone like love crackers. Is <laughs> <No. laughs> you love broccoli? No. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why, because there's plenty of food that is like crazy delicious, like pizza. Like I'd love for someone to give me a love pizza, but it's never, it's like brownie. Like you think about Valentine's Day and you just go to Bartels and the whole aisle is just candy and chocolate. That's right. 
right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because love equals sweet, sweet equals love. So my one year anniversary with my boyfriend is coming up and our first date was on February 13th and we shared a fried chicken sandwich on our first date. So I feel more attached to that in my heart than I do for chocolate. But I always joke with him that I wish that our anniversary was February 15th because that's when all the candy's on sale. Like on the 13th, that is the highest price you're going to pay for chocolate. It's a really poor choice for a date. Okay, time for a break. But when we return, Dory Greenspan talks about the lunch that she ate every day for years and years. But there is a man named Donald Gorski, a real creature of habit. He has pretty much only eaten McDonald's Big Macs since 1972. They've made up 95% of his diet since then. He's amazing, and you're going to want to hear this. We'll be right back. I mean, we'll be right back. Dory Greenspan wants mint chip ice cream, lobster, and then an ice cream sundae with hot fudge and toasted nuts for her last meal. But for years and years and years, she ate a much more modest meal every single day for lunch. Rice with sunflower seeds and raisins. It's so interesting. Where did so, that come from? I don't know where it came from. I used to wake up in the morning and make a pot of rice. Mm-hmm. And I would have the rice hot for breakfast. And then for lunch, I would have it at room temperature with a little olive oil over it, salt, pepper, nuts, and raisins. And then whatever was left over, I would, you know, put away or reheat or fry. I just had this thing for rice. Years. It lasted years. Hmm. Are you a creature of habit in general? No. Just with the rice. But I guess there are things that I do all the time. But in fact, I am somebody who just follows her whims. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I do in the kitchen all the time is not do what I say I'm going to do. So I can plan a menu and my husband will come into the kitchen and say, oh, I thought you were making chicken. And I think, well, I had another idea. Or, you know, I'm the kind who goes to the market with a list and comes home with nothing from the yes. list, a whole new thing. So I'm not really a creature of habit, mm-hmm. but lunch, yeah. Yeah, with lunch makes it easier. I mean, you're probably coming up with recipes all the time, and so it's like one less thing you have to think about is your lunch. I don't know. You know what? I also liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was just good. Yeah. I am fascinated with people who can eat the same thing every day because I am so not like that. I have tried to be one of those meal planning people that you read about in women's magazines where you're supposed to make a big pot of something on Sunday night and eat it throughout the week. And by Wednesday, I hate this dish. I can't eat it anymore. I I literally don't eat it ever again sometimes because I'm so sick of it. But Donald Gorski takes the cake in the Creature of Habit department, even though he never eats cake because he only eats Big Macs. Let's start at the beginning. When did you have your first Big Mac? I had my first Big Mac on May 17th, 1972, and it was the day I got my first car. And uh, when I got my first car, the first place I wanted to go was McDonald's. And then I went to McDonald's and I bought three Big Macs, and I ate my three Big Macs through the cartons in the back seat. And I ended up coming, coming back a couple more times that day for three each time, so I actually ate nine Big Macs on May 17th, 1972. And then I just started eating Big Macs every day ever since. And what prompted that? Why did you start eating them every day? And why were you eating so many? Um, like when I, I was eating so many at first, probably because uh, compared to like eating chocolate for the first time or something, you can't get enough of it at first. And then after a while, you just can't eat as much chocolate as you want anymore. I ate quite a few Big Macs for about a month. And then I started calming down into a phase where 
it was like three a day or down two a day, but I wasn't never doing nine again. Uh, what got me started on it is uh, just that Big Macs are my favorite food, and uh, uh, there's nothing better in the world, and so I, I just wanted to be able to eat my favorite food every day. So was your first ever Big Mac on May 17th, or had you had them before? No, that was my first one ever. It was May 17th, 1972. And so were you still living with your family when, when you got your car in 1972? Yes, I was. My mom uh, later on made me make, promise to eat just one a day for a while there, and she was a little bit worried about me just eating those all the time. So there was a span of about maybe, uh, I think it was six and a half years where I just ate one a day because uh, uh, she told me to try other foods and stuff like that. But, and then when uh, 1981, it was I think April 1st, she said that uh, if they didn't kill me by now, that I could go ahead and start eating two a day again if I wanted to. So it's been pretty much two a day ever since. And so I understand now you don't always go out for a fresh one every time. You keep some in the freezer. Is that true? Uh, that's right. I, I only go to McDonald's twice a week. I don't like waiting in line for food and stuff. So like today was Monday, so I bought six Big Macs. So that's good for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I always buy eight. And then that's my Big Macs for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I've acquired a taste for uh, microwave Big Macs. So um, I like eating them like that. And uh, other people might go yuck, but uh, it's just an acquired taste I've had ever since uh, 72. Since 1972, Don has eaten more than 30,000 Big Macs. He keeps track of his purchases in a little notebook. He saves all the receipts and all of the boxes that the burgers come in. It's just um, another one of them compulsions of mine that I can't help. Um, I'd have to say in the house right now, there's got to be well over 20,000 Big Mac cartons. I also have saved every receipt that it gave me, but um, a lot of people don't realize that receipts started at my McDonald's on October 20th, 1994. So there's quite a few years that McDonald's never even had receipts. So the only way I could prove my count and stuff like that was to save the cartons. Don has a wife and kids, but they aren't slaves to the Golden Arches like he is. He proposed to his wife in a McDonald's parking lot, and he used to take his two sons on his Big Mac missions when they were kids, but it's kind of like the idea that if you don't want your kids to smoke, you'd make them smoke a whole pack of cigarettes so they never want one again. He didn't do this intentionally, but by taking his kids to McDonald's so much, he says they just lost interest. They are not McDonald's people. And on a daily basis, Don's wife Mary eats her own meals, and Don eats his Big Macs, even on Christmas. But there have been a couple of handful of days when you couldn't have a Big Mac, right? Uh, there's eight days that I missed out of the 46-plus years. The first time was uh, like uh, 1982 because of a snowstorm, and uh, uh, I worked my way over to the McDonald's, but they never opened. And so that got me into the habit of keeping them in the re- extra ones in the refrigerator or extra ones in the freezer or whatever. Um, the second one I missed, it was the day my mom died. It was uh, just a dumb promise I made my mom that I wouldn't eat one on the day she died. That way I'd never forget the date. And then um, I missed three because of traveling. It's hard to believe you can travel around the United States and not get a McDonald's for 600 miles, but that happened to me about three times. And then a couple of times I missed because of work. Uh, because I work as a prison guard, it's kind of like the military. So if they tell you you have to stay, then you have to stay. And so them are days I couldn't control, so them don't bother me as much. And then the last one I missed was uh, November 23, 2000. That's the last day I missed was uh, more than 18 years ago, and that was Thanksgiving Day. And, of course, everybody knows McDonald's was closed on Thanksgiving. I thought there was more Big Macs in the freezer, but I was wrong. There was none. And so my family is very patient with me that day because I get got really hyper and stuff like I usually do. And even though all the McDonald's were closed, they let me drive to them all and just 
check the door at all of them to see if they were closed. So uh, it's something that bothers me only for that day, and then after that day is over, then you know everything's back to normal. But for a day, if I if I'm gonna miss, I get really hyper and stuff like that. Does the same thing happen if any of your other routines change? You said you're very ritualistic in other parts of your life as well. Um, not so much. Like I say, I, I'm pretty good at not letting you know other things bother me so much. Um, food's kind of important to me. Um, Do you remember what you ate on the day that your mom passed away when you didn't have the burger? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. It's uh, I'm sure it was something that um, the wife made for herself and I shared in it because I know I didn't eat very much that day at all. Uh, when that happened, I just wasn't very hungry. I mean, like for me, I can black out eating if I have to, you know, and that's something like that would probably make me black out eating. Don says he has other rituals in his life, other habits. And there is one other thing that he does every single day that is particularly endearing. Like in my mornings now, I, I write a letter to, um, there's like eight eight widows and widowers that I used to work with. and I write them a letter every day. So first thing I do in the morning after I get all going and stuff like that, I write a letter to all of them. And then I go out on my errands and I go mail the letters. They love the letters because, I, like I say, I'm a, I got a warped sense of humor from working in a prison so many years. So they get a kick out of my letters, and that's, I, I appreciate that. And so if they like them, I'll keep them coming, you know? That's really sweet. I like to write cards and letters, too, but I find that people don't write me back because most people don't write anymore. Do, does anybody write you back? Uh, very seldom, you know, but uh, it's, it's funny, you know, if... Uh, if uh, they miss a day of a letter or whatever, they'll, they'll call and say, you aren't going to stop writing me letters, are you? So uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice that they, they wanna, want them to keep coming, you know? Yeah, that's funny. Okay, so at this point, I'm sure you're wondering, what's up with Don's health? Is he just a walking Big Mac? Are his veins filled with American cheese and special sauce? Uh, his doctors say that he is fine. His cholesterol is great. He maintains a healthy weight. Uh, and I think the idea is that he eats junky food but he doesn't eat that much of it. So his calories are under. I don't know what this is doing to his heart or his mind, but he's fine. Stop worrying about Donald, everyone. He's fine. (laughs) Now, before we wrap up, let's check back in with Dory. Like I mentioned, she has a new cookbook out called Everyday Dory, The Way I Cook. What is one recipe, before I let you go, one recipe that you'd say you have to make this from your new book? Oh, you asked, you know, you asked a million questions and now you ask the hardest one. I'm a hard-hitting journalist, Dory. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I like so many of them. Okay, I was going to tell you to make the oven-charred tomato stuffed peppers, but instead go to the dessert chapter. I'm there. It's in the back. You're there. Okay. Look at the triple layer parsnip cranberry cake. Oh, yeah. That sounds so interesting. It's such a good cake. Page 266. So that's what I think you have to make because it's easy to make. It's a very simple cake. Think carrot cake, but parsnip. So it's got the sweetness of carrot cake. Um, But parsnips have, they have carrot sweetness, but they have a slightly minerally vegetal taste that is so delicious with sugar and with cream cheese frosting. And then there's a make it in 10 minutes cranberry jam that goes between it. So parsnips, cranberries, um, cream cheese. I love that. And parsnips, that's my mom's secret ingredient to her matzo ball soup that I always put in that I think sets it apart. That's the only thing I've ever made with parsnips. Well, now you're going to bake with them. Okay. So bossy. 
I am. Yeah, you just, yeah. Dory the boss, you, I want you to make that triple layer cake. Okay, I will. Or you're going to come and burn my kitchen down? <laughs> no, I'm fa- I'm over that. Okay. Done. Yeah. yeah Done. Those were Did your, that already. Those are your uh, wild teenage years. <laughs> and that was Dory Greenspan's last meal. You can buy all 13 of her books everywhere, but I always recommend that you shop at a local bookseller, trying to keep them in business. Uh, And here in Seattle, we have this fantastic all-cookbook bookstore. It's called The Pantry, and there are others around the world. So if you're in San Francisco, I recommend going to Omnivore Books. There's Appetite for Books in Montreal, Canada, and I have heard from listeners who live in Australia, so I wanted to do a little Sydney shout-out. There is a cookbook bookstore there called Cookery Book. Cookery Book, Cookbook Bookstore. Cookery Books, Cookbook Bookstore in Sydney, Australia, which I just learned from a friend who is in Australia that if you're like a real local, you would say S-T-R-A-Y-A, Straya. 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 Yeah. Thanks to Jody Boone. If you're interested in learning more about Ayurveda, you can work with her to learn more about your body. I met with her. I learned all about my constitution. And here I am drinking warm water, not being cold at work. Jodi is also one of my favorite yoga teachers in Seattle. So if you want to take a class with her, go to jodyboone.com. It's J-O-D-I-B-O-O-N-E. Thanks to Food Network and today's show food and lifestyle expert Brandy Malloy. You can keep up with her at brandymalloy.com. And her Brandy is also with an I. So we got Jody and Brandy, and I'm jealous of them because they could put hearts over their eyes like I couldn't do in elementary school. Thanks to Donald Gorski, the Big Mac King. Do you ever crave a dessert or something else? Like, what is that other 5% that you're eating? Uh, jeepers. Uh, let's see, like, uh, I'm trying to think of something. Okay, like, yesterday I had some potato chips, you know, because I was watching uh, the football games. Uh, I don't crave desserts too much. I just don't have a sweet tooth, really. Oh, there's another thing I do eat almost every day, and that's uh, the parfaits that McDonald's makes. So ever since they came out, the wife made me promise to eat a parfait every day. So that's kind of like the closest thing I have to dessert usually every day is parfaits. Is that ice cream or uh, yogurt? It's a yogurt, and then there's uh, strawberries and blueberries in it. And uh, the wife thinks I should eat at least something healthy every day that's fruit-wise, I guess. This episode was produced by Aaron Mason and me theme music by prom queen and if you like the show leave a review you can just tap five stars if you're in a hurry or you could leave a heartfelt response on apple podcasts or stitcher that's it i'm rachel bell (laughs) and this is your last meal 